Masa podcast. I'm Mengding, the Masa VP External, and I'll be the host for this episode. Today, our guest speaker is Lisa Eberlozier, who graduated in 2005 from Concordia with a bachelor's in actuarial mathematics and is currently the director of individual reinsurance solutions at Munich Re, and she has many years of experience. Hi, Lisa. How are you today? Good. Hi. Hello, everyone. So in this episode, we will talk a bit about the start of your career, your motivation for moving to the U.S. after your studies, and we will, of course, discuss um, about what exactly is reinsurance and what it means to work in this field and much more. So let's start um, by telling us a bit about yourself. So um, hello, everyone. My name is Lisa. I'm originally from Montreal, uh, born and raised pretty much on the South Shore. Uh, I went to Concordia Co-op, uh, graduated there, and then, uh, like um, it was mentioned, I ended up starting my career in the States, and now I'm back. So, so I'm happy to be, be here and be able to tell you about my experience today. Perfect. Thank you. Um, so let's start um, from your time at Concordia. What... Uh, when you started your undergrad, what were you expecting and hoping to learn from this experience? And did your university years impact your career in any way? Uh, yes, it had a big impact. And the reason why I joined Concordia is because of their co-op program, which uh, back in the day uh, was kind of innovative. There wasn't that many other universities out there that had uh work programs. And I was fortunate enough to kind of be able to make it through the interview process back then and, and get one of those coveted spots. And so by being able to do the co-op program and getting um, those key internships, it definitely gave me a leg up on my overall career, especially at the start of it. Um, I learned lots of things, um, especially about being adaptable, um, learning, uh, and trying to get the most out of kind of the projects and what I was doing at the time. Um, the other thing that I think was really great about my experience at Concordia is the friendships I made. Uh, we were a very close-knit group of people uh, we weren't a lot. I'm assuming it's still the same. Um, and especially with the co-op program, it kind of really bonded us together. And to this day, um, the group of friends I have from university, we're still very close um, and uh, we're still talk to each other on a regular basis. Yeah, that's true. I, um, I'm also in co-op, so that's true. Because just the fact that you're always with the same people, you create some very good bonds with them. Um, so what was your motivations for moving to the U.S.? Um, was it due to some career interest or um, were there other factors that came to play? Well, so how I ended up in the States is actually through my co-op and ASNA. So I... Uh, that back in the day, um, Cigna, which is a health insurance company uh, in the States, used to sponsor ASNA and have an internship program. And through ASNA and the co-op was able to have my last internship in the States. Um, I went there thinking, oh, I'm just going to the States. I'm going to make some money. I'm going to 
do this great experience and then come back and then ended up just never really coming back. I got a full-time uh, opportunity uh, from that internship. Uh, what I really liked about that opportunity is that they have a rotation program, which is very common at large direct insurance companies in the States. Um, there are companies in Canada that does, does them, but not necessarily in the Montreal area. And so being able to kind of early on in my career, kind of move around every 18 to 24 months, kind of see different parts of the organization and type of actuarial kind of work, um, I thought was very interesting to me. And that's why I ended up in the States. Oh, very interesting. And why reinsurance? Did you know right from the start that you wanted to go in this field? No, I've actually only been in reinsurance uh, for the last two years since moving back to Canada. Mm -hmm. um, throughout my career uh, in the States, I worked uh, a lot in direct group insurance. Um, so doing in pricing work. I've done other stuff. I've worked in annuities. I've done corporate roles. I've done investment, you know, a little bit of everything because of those rotation programs I had in the States. Um, throughout those different roles I had, I actually was fortunate enough to also be responsible for different aspects of reinsurance strategy at those direct companies. Um, so it started off with um, what they used to call risk transfer analysis. So when you have reinsurance, um, one of the regulations in the States is to make sure that there's a true transfer of risk. And so have having to monitor, um, monitor that and quantify that. So I started with that and then it led to bigger reinsurance responsibilities uh, to like treaty work. And then eventually in my last position in the States, I was um, led, led the strategy for reinsurance for my line of business. So I was the key contact with the reinsurer. I negotiated those treaties. Uh, we looked at opportunity to do big capital financial transactions. And so I really got to see reinsurance from kind of the direct side, from the kind of client side of reinsurance. Mm -hmm. And it's through that kind of experience that was able to get my position currently at Munich Re, um, being now a reinsurer, and I kind of bring that kind of expertise or that point of view from kind of the client side now um, to uh, my role. Yeah, and we'll have a we'll have one question about the client side uh, a bit later. But for now, um, for those that don't really know what reinsurance is, could you explain a bit more what it is and what are the, the different positions and departments in this field? So, um, in essence, you are an insurance company for other insurance <laughs> companies. Yes. And so instead of reinsuring, um, I think the easiest way is an example. Uh, so an individual life policy, because it's simpler. Um, so for an, normally an uh, somebody who wants a life insurance policy will contact the broker and will buy a policy directly from uh, an insurance company. And what happens is for those insurance companies, sometimes they don't like the risks or it's too much for them. Um, 
uh, it's too volatile or they need expertise. And so they will then partner with a reinsurance company to share that risk. And so um, a good example is, you know, a movie star <laughs> that wants a million dollar policy. Well, a million dollar um, is a lot of risk for one person, uh, mm -hmm. for one company. And so if that one individual dies, I mean, that's a huge financial loss for um, the company that wrote that policy. So what they do is they share that risk with a reinsurer, um, usually at a premium, and, and kind of spread the risk around the industry so that if there is a big loss, then, you know, no one insurance company can go into financial distress. Mm -hmm. And from my understanding, there's um, reinsurance for both life and PNC, right? Correct. Um, there's, so I particularly work um, in individual insurance. So that usually covers uh, individual life um CI, critical illness, and individual disability. So things that are uh, directly um, covers individuals. Mm -hmm. But there's also reinsure for group. Um, so your employer gives you insurance uh, coverage. Well, that those insurance coverage can be reinsured. And then there's PNC coverage that uh, can cover auto or housing, but also commercial um, and event coverage. So a big example right now with COVID was the um, cancellation of the Olympics last year. Right. And so therefore, that was actually reinsured oh. or insured and reinsured. And so that, you know, so the event was canceled and therefore there was a kind of an insurance premium, uh, an insurance payment due to, to that cancellation. Oh, very interesting. I didn't know that. <laughs> and um, you mentioned previously, um, like reinsurance is um, a client-facing industry. So could you describe a bit what is the dynamic between the reinsurer and the client? Um, I see being a reinsurance actuary kind, especially in our pricing side, kind of being this hybrid role, especially at Munich Re Canada, um, where we do both kind of the client aspects, so the, the negotiation, the kind of training, kind of hearing out what the needs um, of the client, indus industry studies, kind of more client management perspective. But we also do the analysis and the pricing of those uh, of the quotes and of those business needs and so we kind of it, it, it's kind of the i see it the best of both worlds where you can still be very technical because and that's is needed because you need to kind of understand you know the cash flows of how we make money um and kind of the risk perspective and kind of the mortality and all the different assumptions that goes into kind of pricing these types of transaction. But then you also have to kind of have the business acumen uh, and the influencing acronym when it comes to negotiating those contracts mm -hmm. and that business transaction. Yeah. And um, I also had a question uh, from a student uh, wondering, can you tell us a bit about how the reinsurance business is profitable because maybe there's less cost and a good market studies. 
So I would say it's very similar at a high level as a direct insurance, um, except we play with a lot of volume. So right, so we so that's where kind of we we kind of gain a little bit more insight. Um, whereas you know an insurance company will know what's going on with their company and how they sell business and how the industry is is changing. Uh, we we reinsure almost all players in the, in the Canadian market, and so therefore we get to see like holistically what's happening in the industry and we can help guide those trends and tools or in better anticipate like the needs of our clients and because Munich Re will take it a step further we're a global entity so we see not just the Canadian market but we'll see the U.S. market the European market the Japanese market, and we'll see different markets and see what's going on in those regions, and we'll be able to bring those expertise to Canada and help our clients kind of evolve as the industry has, especially recently due to COVID and technology and big data and all of those things that have been impacting the insurance world. Mm-hmm. I understand. Thank you for that answer. Um, and now I wanted to know, since you uh, you have a, a position and you're leading a team and everything, so uh, according to you, what qualities or skills do you think are really important when it comes to leading a team? So I think um, compassion and honesty are two um, aspects of what I think makes a good leader which I try to kind of do in um, my team. I'm a very big proponent of, you know, helping people out, like whether it's learning something or a new skill or through coaching and new opportunities, because the investment I put into my staff will only come back to me, you know, tenfold. And there's lots of articles out there that kind of say that, um, but once when you're you're in a manager position sometimes really hard to balance kind of your everyday work with kind of that kind of softer like kind of coaching skills and making sure that you are investing that time in it because at the end of the day everybody's going to be better off in that investment of that time and the the way i think you do that or it comes across is by listening and being compassionate and understanding and especially um, not everybody gets it right on the first try especially when you start your career off (laughs) you don't really know what's going on and so and sometimes managers forget about those things Um, it has you haven't been there for a really long time so understand and so kind of helping people understand and and going through the uh, through that learning and and helping um, your staff going through that. Yeah, interesting. And um, you you've been in the U.S. for so long, and you've just been back to Canada. Um, so, what is the biggest difference between being an actuary in the U.S. compared to being an actuary in Canada? Well, there's the regulation bodies. It's always the first thing. Um, 
The actuarial concepts are the same, but at the end of the day, regulation plays a big role into um, how things are done. So understanding that is really important. Um, kind of the reserving methodologies between the US and Canada is very different. And even though I'm a pricing actuary, understanding those difference and understanding the reserve is still a very key component of the of pricing. Mm -hmm. So um, so it was a lot of learning about that. Um, the other thing is I support the Quebec business. And so learning again to work in a French environment, that was uh, very challenging. Uh, my first language is French. However, mm -hmm. after 14 years in the States, uh, that doesn't show anymore. Yeah. And it's it's like anything, a skill that you don't practice just gets out of use. And it doesn't mean that you can't get it back, but like you have to work on it. And I knew it was going to be challenging. I just, I didn't know how challenging it was. Um, and, and so it's just being mindful of that. And I think also uh, giving yourself um, a break <laughs> on it, because I think as actuaries, we tend to be, um, very hard worker, um, ambitious, especially after going through all the exam process. And so we tend to be our worst enemy sometimes when it comes to, uh, to expectations. And so saying that, you know, it's okay to not have everything correct out of day one um, is, is okay. And did you actually have to uh, acquire a different title to work in the U.S.? since like the CIA is Canadian? So yes, so that's an interesting one. Um, yes, I, tr I tried to apply uh, for my uh, FCIA or ACIA. Uh, um, unfortunately, I was denied because oh. um, I <laughs> passed my exams uh, in 2009 is when I got my FSA, and now they've added the new predictive uh, modeling exam, which uh, obviously I have not taken. <laughs> and so I actually have to go and take that if I am ever going to be a part of the fellow of the Society uh, of Actuaries in Canada. So um, it's not on the docket for right now. <laughs> uh, eventually, uh, maybe, but... Uh, life work balance right now uh, with uh, everything going on is not uh, high on my priority list. Yeah, understandable. <laughs> and um, did you have to adapt to how, how exactly did you adapt from changing um, both jobs and locations and also the language? Um, were, was there any other challenges that you faced during the transition? Um, well, since I was Getting, uh, I was moving to be uh, back closer to family. I mean, that obviously was very helpful um, to like kind of managing the the situation. Obviously, I grew up around here, uh, so <laughs> that also helped. I think um, changing jobs is always really challenging, uh, you know, whether you relocate or not. Uh, and so I think it's trying to absorb the most at the beginning, like listen. I think it's the key here is listen, um, try to learn as much as you can, uh, understand 
where the money comes through, uh, how you make money. So I had uh, the added challenge of learning also um, not only like reinsurance, but also a new line of business. I used to be a group actuary and now I'm an individual life actuary. Mm -hmm. And so, but at the end of the day, it's all about cash flows. Like your, you know, premiums come in, yeah. you pay claims, you have to hold a reserve, <laughs> there's expenses. And at the end of the day, there's like, is there's either a positive or negative cash flow. And that means you're making or losing money. And so conceptually, that kind of balance sheet kind of approach is the same no, no matter the business you're in. And so, and then it's just tackling one piece of that cash flow at a time and understanding what's driving um, that piece of the cash flow. Um, and so that's kind of my my recommendation to anybody who's changing jobs, uh, whether you need to re relocate or not, is kind of try to leverage as much as you have, even though it, everything is new, there's always something you leverage uh, from yeah. your past knowledge, what you're good at, and then applying it to your new job is kind of the easiest way to learning that new job. Yeah, there's always new things to learn. <laughs> Um, now we have more of a general question. So um, according to you, has the traditional role of an actuary changed in the last 10 years? And if so, how did it change? I think the expectation of an actuary has changed. Mm -hmm. um, I think what's valued um, from an actuary perspective has also changed technology is kind of the biggest one, right? We just yeah. think about our day-to-day -day life and our cell phones and how much that has changed in the last 10 years. You can only imagine like from a kind of um, expectations of your clients and users, how that has changed. So um, the one thing I would say is insurance companies in general are a little bit more old fashioned. So that change is probably not as um, fast as some of the other industries, but um, I would say probably has been accelerated over the last year because of COVID, because we're all now working from home as a safety precaution, because you have to now do business from home um, and selling insurance has changed because everybody's at home. Uh, the services that you relied on before are not there. And so, um, we've all had to adapt. Uh, and so data is now key, like how collecting data, storing data, analyzing that data, but going a kind of a step further. It's like, okay, we, we've done all that great analysis. Now what? What do I do with that data? And I think that's probably what has changed the most uh, from and with the expectation of actuary is to make our analysis impactful, actionable, like going that step further of not just analyzing it and being the technical people, but like bringing that those competencies and that analysis to the next step right. and making it saying, okay, now this is what we need to do with this. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And um, now my last question before we move on to advice is, what are your future plans? Um, where do you see yourself in five years? And do you have any special projects soon? Um, <laughs> what the only thing that I can say I've learned over my career is um, you need to be adaptable. Whatever yeah. you plan will probably not happen. <laughs> <laughs> if you had asked me five years ago if I would be back in Canada, I would say, no, that's never going to happen. And here I am um, back in Canada. Uh, but uh, with that say, I do think it's important to have still like broad stroke goals for yourself um, in five years and 10 years. Um, I love coaching and managing and being a leader. And so I want to find ways to expand on that. Um, it used to be being like the head of a line of business. Um, I don't know if that's still going ha to happen, uh, but I want to expand my leadership. And you can do that different ways. And it's trying to find those different ways, whether it's an... CIA or SOA committee, whether it's volunteering and a board of directors somewhere, um, I don't know, but I want to kind of grow um, those in that kind of line of thinking. Career-wise, maybe at some point get my FCIA. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's not for right now. Um. Do you have any other advice for students or maybe some that are considering a career in insurance? I would say uh, my best advice to students, especially early on, is do not be afraid of feedback. Um, mm -hmm. And to seek out like those coaching and mentoring uh, opportunities as much as possible. You can't improve if you don't know what you're doing wrong. Uh, I kind of learned that the hard way on one of my like first co-op term, uh, like uh, like, and the manager at the time like waited till like halfway through um, my internship to say, "Oh, Lisa, I'd rather you do something like this instead." Oh. And I was like, "Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, no problem." And at the end of the day, at the end of the internship, they were like, oh, Lisa, if you had performed this, like you did the second half, like the entire internship, then we would have given you an offer to come back. Wow. And I was like, well, why didn't you just tell me at the beginning? <laughs> <laughs> and so um, having those discussions are hard for, are, are hard for managers, just as much as it is sometimes um, for the people requesting that feedback. But if you don't get it, nothing will change. Um, and so, and so uh, that's my biggest recommendation um, and advice to any anyone, especially early in your career. Yeah, that's very good advice. Because if you don't know what you're doing wrong, you can't improve, like you said. So for those that still have a few questions for you, Um, what is the best way for students to reach you? Um, I would say uh, look me up on LinkedIn. Um, I monitor my inbox. Uh, please don't be shy to connect with me. 
Um, I'm always willing to hear questions or um, give free advice and then you take the advice however you want <laughs> to take it. Um, and so, um, so I would say really that's the best way to connect with me. Perfect. Thank you. Um, so for some key takeaways in this episode, alumna Lisa Hebert Lozier elaborated on the topic of reinsurance and its different position and departments, um, and about the difference between working as an actuary in the U.S. compared to in Canada. And we also mentioned a few skills that are important when leading a team. And we finished with some good advice from Lisa about not being afraid of feedback. Um, so thank you so much for being our guest speaker today. Thank you very much for having me. And thank you all for listening. Feel free to reach us. All our socials are on the Masa website. And stay tuned for the next episode. Mm-hmm.